Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. It's time for the Chicago Blackhawks postgame show. On the Blackhawks Radio Network, here's Joe Brand. It was a much different hockey game after a solid 20 minutes to start. Chicago Blackhawks were down by a goal to Colorado after the first period, but may have outplayed the Avalanche. However, you can't say the same for the final 40 minutes as the Hawks get buried by the Avalanche tonight. A 5 nothing final from the United Center. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 11.30 tonight, recapping this rough loss. And we're going to head on upstairs and bring in our pal Troy Murray. He was on the call with John Weideman tonight as the Hawks again lose 5 nothing to Colorado tonight. And Troy, it seems like that second period was, was quite a swing. As you mentioned, there was an opportunity for it to just be kind of a 2 nothing deficit, but you give Colorado some chances. They're not going to sleep on those chances and not take any second for granted, too. In the final closing moments of that second period, they were able to sneak in another goal and made it all that much more difficult for the Hawks to get anything going in the third period. Yeah, you know, a misread on the first goal um, gives the Avs, with about two minutes to go in the first period, the lead, take it into the intermission. But a good period, and I, I agree with that. I thought the Hawks had a, had a better first period than the Avs. The Avs did, but I... I you know, and now you look at it, you gave the, 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 the Avs an opportunity on the power play, and they were able to capitalize on that. And, you know, so for that, that was a tough one. You, you know, it, it, you're going to score power play goals, especially when you've got the firepower of Colorado. So, okay, you, you accept that one. Now you look at the third and the fourth goals, very, very preventable. A neutral zone faceoff, everybody's back in position. Just a misread by the two defensemen. Um, it was Seth Jones and Velasic out there. They just kind of they misread, misread the way that they needed to, to play that uh, that play that came back like it was a quick transition, real real quick transition. But still should have played it better. That the, you know the option should not have been there for Johansson to go wide on on Velasic, and that kind of tells you how far Velasic was into the middle of the ice with Johansson able to get around Velasic, pull Mrazek out of the net. He didn't get credit with the goal because Zach Parise tapped it in before it crossed the line fully. Um, but that's a very preventable goal. Now you're looking at it, and, you, you know, Colorado is going to earn opportunities. They're going to create chances because they've got that skill on their on their roster. But you don't want to give them opportunities like the Blackhawks did. So now you're down 3 nothing. you know, and, and it's, it's just a, it's a tough play. It's a learning lesson. Bedard has, has to be on the defensive side of this play. He's got to be in the middle of the ice. He was outside of the dots. Devon Tave sneaks in behind him there. And after Mrazek made a, a great save, and then Makar had an unreal opportunity within the last 10 seconds, you got to clog up that middle of the ice, take away the shooting lanes, block everything you can, get into the intermission, and you know, point three on the clock there. That's just that's a real tough one to swallow inside the room. Yeah, and going to Bedard, I mean, this was kind of one of the more colorful games emotionally for Connor. It, he felt like he he missed out on a couple of calls and was showing some frustration out on the bench as well. I mean, he was not having a fun time out there tonight. Is there? Do you expect Luke Richardson maybe to to I don't know have a talk with them after this to 
try to help settle things down, or, or is that yeah, just you don't want you don't want Connor getting frustrated and and you know what he did to Brendan Dillon the other day when they're playing the Jets, and then here tonight against Josh Manson, you know he, he just he's he's got to forget about that and play through that, and he's got to understand. Listen, every game, the rest of his career, he's going to be a target. Right. They're going to focus on him like they do Crosby, like they do Gretzky, like they, you know, Mario Lemieux. Every time that you play the game, you're going to be focused and uh, focused on. So now you, you have to make sure that you don't get frustrated. And, and I can see Connor. He's kind of a, he's a perfectionist type thing, and he wants to win. And he's just not getting the opportunities. Luke Richardson probably reading that the chemistry was a little bit off, switched Beauvillier and Donato onto, onto different lines there. Um, but you know Connor's got to just settle things down. He was minus three in this game, which is which is not good. And he actually did a pretty good job of shutting down their top guys. Um, McKinnon gets the late goal to make it five nothing. But Dickinson did a good job there. I mean, those are some of the best players in the league that he had to go head to head against. And um, you know you would you would hope that if you could put those guys in a position and forget the McKinnon goal late because that you know when the game wasn't on the line. Um, but you know the matchups that you're looking for, favorable matchups here on home ice, and, and Connor's you know minus three. So I don't know if Luke talks to him, you know directly, maybe let it sit a little bit and just say, hey, you know what, you, you got to focus on it. You, you take a penalty, it happens, whether you like it or not. You, you can't lose your focus. And even when when they scored that goal on the power play, Bedard stepped out of the penalty box and started talking to the referee and it, it that wasn't a friendly conversation like i said you know you want to talk to the referees get them on your side but uh, you know he had some choice words there and not happy about it especially when they score only two seconds to go in that minor penalty for interference uh, but he's just got to stay focused he's, he's just got to you know calm down a little bit and uh, you know sometimes regroup reset take a deep breath but you like the competitiveness that you're seeing from him as well yeah, yeah, and you know, it's interesting because this is something we talked about and something we talked about with Luke, too. I don't know if we'll ever get the answer, but Luke said that's part of coaching. You need to figure out when is the right time to address a player about certain things. Is it right after the game? Is it during the game? Is it maybe a day later? I, I don't know what the answer to that is, and I don't know if we'll ever know, but I'm sure that's something that Luke Richardson has taken into account on when he does address it all to, to Connor Bedard. Yeah, and what, when you're coaching a team, you, you get to know the personalities of the players. You know, do you let that player, you know, do, do you say something to, to Nick Flynn or do you just kind of right. let that go away? And he's, he's you know, he's experienced enough to, to figure it out on his own. Uh, a, a younger player, a guy who just gets called up, you know, you might not know him. You don't want, you don't know how fragile a young player could be by, you know, pointing something out and, and now he's get, he gets that and it's, it's conscious in his mind. So you, you have to kind of figure out who the individual is. You know, you address the team. I, I don't, like Luke doesn't like to come in after the game very often. Um, right. And, and this is a, a game where I don't know if he, if he just lets this one uh, sit or, or not, if he comes in and, and but I, I'm assuming the leadership group inside the room is going to say that that's not good enough. And this team can't have less than 100% effort if they want to be competitive in, in a lot of these games. So, you know, you didn't get that frustration. You, you lost your focus because when, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the game is, is largely mental. And all of a sudden you've lost your focus because now you're chasing pucks around and you're not in your structure. And maybe one guy mistakes and now you're you're trying to you know, help that guy out. Now you now everything kind of snowballs in the wrong direction. And we, we saw some really good examples of how the abs confuse the Blackhawks in their own end of the ice. And they do it to every team. It's just not the Blackhawks. But they needed to be better to read some of the plays that made the difference in this game. 
All right, pal. Great stuff. Unfortunately, the uh, the Troy Murray Bowl goes to the Colorado Avalanche tonight, and uh, they they now take a season series lead two to one with this five. Can I can I claim uh, Av alumni in this one? <laughs> well, I don't know. You, you made you made the declaration <laughs> in the pregame of who signed your paycheck, so I feel like you, you drew the line <laughs> yeah, in the sand. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I, I can't <laughs> I can't go the other way now. I can't go to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you can't play Monday morning quarterback with these games and just. <laughs> <laughs> Try to hop on the Avs bus after this. Right. <laughs> All right, pal. Good stuff. We'll uh, talk to you in a couple of nights. All right. Good job, Joe. All right. Likewise. That's our pal, Troy Murray. He was on the call with John Weideman tonight as the Hawks fall to the Colorado Avalanche. 5 nothing from the United Center. We're taking this postgame show up to 1130. And obviously not a, great, not a lot of great things to pull from this one. Honestly, I, I was... Looking forward to the next two periods after the the solid start that the Hawks had. I know they were down by a goal, but as Troy said, just a, a little bit of a uh, a mix up on the on the two on one, the breakaway for or, you know a two on one for Colorado and Zach Parise catches a feed from Jack Johnson. Troy was mentioning how you kind of want to force Jack Johnson to shoot that puck and kind of take away the opportunity to get it to Parise, but. Colorado was able to convert Parise's 10th career goal against the Hawks, and it wasn't that goal. It was everything that happened in the second period. Um, Colorado just able to turn things on, taking advantage of the power play. And then I, I just was really not satisfied with the Hawks' effort in the final moments of that second period. I mean, Colorado had the last seven shot attempts, and they just turned into a firing squad on Peter Mrazek and uh, eventually Devon Taves found the back of the net, and as bad as it is to be down 3 nothing heading into the third period, it's almost a whole other world being down 4 nothing, especially when you let in another goal like that. Uh, and then it was way too tall of a mountain to climb, no pun intended, against the Avalanche tonight. But with the Hawks down 4 nothing in the third period, I mean, it's hard to work on just little things when you see how big of a comeback is necessary to come back in this one. We're going to get sound from the Blackhawks dressing room eventually. Just want to pull out a couple of quotes. And uh, really quick, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or text. Uh, I understand fans are frustrated after this one. Dexter and Bolingbrook texting in same old song and dance. And it does look like we'll get to a call in just a moment. But just want to pull out a few of these quotes. Reading this off of Ben Pope's Twitter, the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, Reese Johnson on the Blackhawks' frustration at each other tonight. That's definitely something that can't happen. It's fine being frustrated, but you've got to channel that. We've got to maybe address that and move on. Uh, Earlier, Ben tweeting out something that Jared Tenorti said. I don't think we responded well when we got down. We got tentative. We were just watching them make plays, watching them exit the zone. It's frustrating. Uh, Totally understand. I mean, it's one thing to have the better team outperform you, but the just the complete 180 that the Hawks made after this first period, it, it's hard to understand why that happens after such a good start um, in this one when, when you know what you're up against, when you know the challenge you're up against in the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, want to get to the phone line, can't quite see who called in, but wants to talk about Jersey retirement. So go ahead, caller, you're on WGN Radio. Caller, are you there? Devin? Devin? Yeah, there's some weird music playing, but I'll talk over it. Um, 
So I was at the uh, Chris Chelios Jersey retirement the other night, and I'm I'm still amped up about it. So I was wondering who who would you like to see get their jersey retired next, other than players like Taves, Kane, some of your more niche players. I would like to know, like maybe Steve Larmer, Jeremy Ronich, or Tony Amani, guys like that. All right. Thank you very much, Devin. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call in. Uh, appreciate the call. Um, obviously, the Chris Chelios ceremony was fantastic on Sunday, and I think people are still coming down from how amazing it was. Uh, the Hawks just do such a good job with those types of things, and especially that one, too. Again, I don't I don't understand how they're going to continue to raise the bar with that type of stuff. Um, kind of put me in a tough spot when I, I can't go with the usuals, although you didn't say Duncan Keith, because I, I feel like that is the next most uh, prob- the most probable number to be retired in terms of a player who's retired, a player who will get that accolade, and a player that's like not currently on contract with the team like a Brent Seabrook. Obviously, Patrick Kane is still playing. Jonathan Taves wants to keep playing. Listen, I really have no argument to not retiring Steve Larmer's number. I have no argument to not having Steve Larmer in the Hall of Fame. I, I would understand and be very pleased if both those things came to fruition. The Jeremy Roenick one is interesting. I feel like, you know, just a couple of years ago, it'd probably be like, oh, no way that the Hawks would do that. But they have become a little bit more lenient with retiring numbers once Marion Hosa and Chris Chelios' numbers got raised to the rafters. Granted, I think that's fully deserving, but I think you kind of open up the opportunity for a lot more players when you start adding some of those other guys. I love JR. Uh just the the epitome of that Hawks era, the, those '90s Hawks teams. Um, that would be a fun party too. I, I and again, like I'm not going to be, you know, protesting something like that. You know, if, if the Hawks decide to do that, then that's their decision. And I think a lot of people are going to have fun with it. And a lot of people are going to enjoy it. And a lot of people are going to embrace it. And the other thing is because the Hawks have been a little bit more reluctant to retiring numbers. They kind of got a lot of numbers available, right? I, I mean, I know like the New York Yankees don't have any single digits left. The Hawks are, I don't know, kind of closing in on that, but not really with one, three, now seven, nine, and then eventually uh, two is going to be gone as well. So um, I don't know, but it, it it's a fun conversation to have, and it's it's fun to see the Hawks starting to think of these things as 773 area code chimes in. Steve Larmer, number 28, get that retired into the rafters. Uh, yeah, again, you're, you're not going to hear any complaints from me if that ends up happening. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us. Uh, we'll give our player with the most heart, which is sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Northwestern Medicine is home to the state's leading heart and vascular program, top ranked for 16 straight years by U.S. News and World Report. It's kind of an easy cop-out. I know Troy chose Reese Johnson for his player of the game, but I mean, I think we definitely got to give him a player with the most heart. Uh, trying to get the team going with the fight against Chris Wagner in the second period. And, you know, Reese Johnson is just, you know what you're going to get from his game every time he's in the lineup. And a lot of times it's that. It's trying to spark some momentum with this team. Uh, but he's also just an enforcer and a guy that has everyone's back. Uh, other side note, it, it was kind of funny the other day during practice, a few of the Hawks were talking about who would be the winner if the Hawks roster had to compete in the Hunger Games. And uh, if you don't know what the Hunger Games are, it's this... 
Oh, boy. It's a series of books that were turned into movies, and it's about a uh, winner-take-all combat um, where you just have to rely on surviving on your own, and last one to survive is the winner. Uh a lot of the Hawks were saying that Reese Johnson would probably uh, be the winner in that type of hypothetical competition because of his uh, strength, because of his willpower. And it was funny because I actually brought it up to Reese the following day at practice. And I was, I was just like in passing, I'm like, hey, some of your teammates were saying that you'd be the winner in a, a game of Hunger Games if your entire roster had competed in it. And he goes, huh. I've thought about that, and yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, then you're probably the guy that would end up winning that if you've already thought about that crazy hypothetical situation. Um, listen, if you're frustrated with this game, I understand, though. Um, let's go to this 847 text. Thought Bedard played well, even though he was clearly frustrated. I liked seeing the passion. Even Razik looked solid early, but Avs are just too good. Frustrating night. For the players, yeah, I think all those things are true. And and listen, Connor Bedard can still have a good game and even a really good game, even with the frustration he showed tonight. And as Troy mentioned, at least he's got that passion. At least he's got that competitive drive, that competitive spirit. But uh, of course, I'm sure part of that is him wanting to always succeed and always be the best. And when he's being uh, limited in that kind of situation and against a really good team like that, that can be very frustrating. And when he's not getting calls, and when Colorado's making his life a heck of a lot even harder, that, that can be a really frustrating thing. And I think you just saw a normal response from an 18-year-old in his first year in the NHL that's kind of being uh, pushed down and, and kicked while he's down, even though he's given it his all and, and still having a pretty good game. Uh, from the 773 area code, Mrazic, a real fighter in goal again. Yeah, even though this was a 5 nothing loss, I, I really don't put a lot of blame on Peter Mrazic. As Troy and I were talking, he was kind of left out to dry for a couple of different situations, especially in that second period. And if you saw some, like, scrambling motions by him, I think it's because he was trying to make up for some defensive miscues from the Hawks tonight. And let's also point out, Troy mentioned the first goal by Zach Parisi, the two-on-one. And I, I want to get through this, then we've got to get to a break, then we'll take more calls and texts. But the two-on-one on the Parisi goal, the first goal of the night. little bit of a breakdown by Kevin Korczynski. Um, it was the power play goal, I think. Yes, it was the power play goal, the second goal, made it 2 nothing Colorado. little bit of a miscommunication there. With Alex Lassick and Seth Jones. That was actually the third goal, excuse me. The the second Zach Parisi goal. That's another rookie. So we're talking a little mistake by Korczynski in the first period. A rookie. Another little mistake by both Jones and Vlasic. Or at least miscommunication there. But that involves another rookie. And then late in the second period when I mentioned Colorado just became a firing squad on Peter Mrazek. The Hawks just kind of looked like they gave up in those final few moments. Kind of Bedard's out there on the ice. That's another rookie. I mean, these are mistakes that are happening by inexperience. Might not be the sole reason, but that is a factor. And that is one of the things you sacrifice when going through a rebuild. And when you face a very talented team like the Colorado Avalanche, those things are going to be a lot more exposed than normal. These aren't excuses. This is a really rough performance by the Hawks, especially after such a strong start. But I think those are some of the things 
um, in hand. And really quick before we go to a break from the 317, best part of the game was watching you eat a horseradish donut. Yeah, thank you, 317. Uh, trying not to relive that moment. That was the worst thing I, I tasted ever in my life. And definitely from that entire uh, experiment that we did a few months ago with the great Blackhawks video production team, and I don't want to do it again. But, uh, hey, it's it's a fun job, and you just do some things sometimes. So uh, hopefully you didn't get as grossed out by watching that as much as I did eating it. Hasek with a pass up the right side to Blackwell, to Anderson over the ab line down the left wing. He became entangled with McCarr, was pulled off the puck. Here's McKinnon racing back the other way over the Hawk line down the right wing. He shoots, he scores! You really see the speed of Nathan McKinnon when he gets any kind of room at all. And he had about, I don't, I would say about five feet of clearance between himself and Seth Jones for a clear shot. And it beats Mrazek under the blocker. It's now 5-0 Colorado. That was the final goal tonight. But the Hawks were down big, 4-0 through the first two periods. They're shut out tonight, 5 nothing. Eustace Ananen, the Finnish goaltender, and just his ninth career start, picking up his first career shutout against the Hawks tonight. Hawks are shut out for the eighth time this year, and they end a trend of picking up at least a point every leap day since 1976. Got that nugget from Ben Pope at the Chicago Sun-Times earlier today. A ton of fun facts for leap day. Unfortunately, not a fun game tonight, but... Um, Actually, the Colorado Avalanche's first game on Leap Day in their existence, 1996, they lost to the Hawks here at the United Center, thanks to the uh, Twitter user who chimed in and corrected me that it was not at the old stadium. The Hawks were playing in the United Center by that time. Brad, at Hockey uh, by the Bay, uh, corrected me on that. And uh, our own Troy Murray was playing in that game. But for the Colorado Avalanche, in that loss to the Hawks, that was the year the Avs won the Stanley Cup, their first year of existence after uh, moving the franchise over from Quebec. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 11.30 tonight on 720 WGN. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or if you'd like to text. Not a ton of positives to pull from this one, but we're breaking it down as best we can. However, uh, I, I sent out a little assignment on Mike Fulta and... Andres Tejeda of the Rockford Ice Hogs. They're on the broadcast team over there. They do a great job. And uh, with Lucas Reichel down in Rockford working on some things, we're going to try to keep a, a real keen eye on him and uh, see how he's adjusting, how he's adapting to being back in the AHL after a rough start in the NHL this year. So we're going to set it on down to Rockford with Andres Tejeda. Lucas Reichel is determined to make the most of his time in Rockford, working hard on and off the ice to improve his game. He has two assists in his first handful of games with the Ice Hogs, using his speed to drive Rockford's offense. This puck is just moving a little bit quicker with Lucas Reichel out there. Reichel shoots, puck in front, Murray has it with Kate sniffing around. He recorded his first assist on Mike Hardman's goal and narrowly scored a goal for himself as his shot ricocheted off the post. Reichel has held a positive mindset since returning to the state line. Here are his thoughts since hitting the ice in Rockford. First game against Iowa was a little bit tough, different game. It got every period, got better and better, and now I feel like confident and I'm having fun creating stuff, making plays, and that's how I want to play. And it's been a tough year, but with those those games, uh, definitely helped me out. Rockford's head coach Anders Sorensen says some familiar faces 
and a good mentality will help him move forward. I think it's really important, and I think he's been handling really well. Obviously, when, when you're an offensive player like him, you know, you're up there all year, you're not producing the way you want to, you lose your ice time, and, and it's easy to get down on yourself, but he's had a really good attitude, and I think we're fortunate, too. There's guys that played with him here last year that he really enjoys being around, so that helped him, I think, and, um, you know, I thought, again, it was a good step for him today. With some more time, the Blackhawks expect Reichel to return to Chicago with the newfound confidence and offensive production they expected from their talented first-round draft pick. For the Rockford Ice Hogs, I'm Andres Tejeda. Another big thanks to Andres and Mike Fulta for sending over that. Uh, Lucas Reichel with two points so far in four games since rejoining the Rockford Ice Hogs. I think the biggest thing, though, or at least the most noticeable thing, has been his attitude about all this. Uh, Scott Powers of The Athletic had a pretty good piece on him, how he's just taking all of this in stride. Uh, I mean, you go from taking charter planes to taking bus rides to Iowa. It's it's quite a shift, but Reichel has plenty of experience uh, with that life. I mean, he played 55 games with the Ice Hogs last year, 56 the year before that. But he had a lot of success with Rockford at that time, almost a point per game uh, throughout his entire AHL career. I was even talking with Philip Kurashev after morning skate today if he's chatted with him a little bit. And he has and said that he's continued to keep his attitude up. And as frustrating as it's been for Lucas Reichel, it hasn't been an attitude thing. The only thing mentally is just maybe his, his inability to just get that extra drive out on the ice. And it's just one of those things that you, you just can't captivate and the coaching staff can do all they want to try and light a fire underneath them, but it's, as Luke Richardson said, it's got to come from within, and that's what the Hawks are trying to do with Lucas Reichel right now. Uh, They clearly still have high aspirations for their first-round pick back in 2020, number 17 overall, and definitely want to see this guy shine and grow with the Blackhawks uh, for years on end. But, But right now it's just not happening, and let's also point out he's still 21 years old. I kind of put up the comparison with he and Philip Kurashev, you can kind of compare their timelines, um, but the difference is Lucas Reichel had success in the NHL last year, picking up 15 points, seven goals in 23 games. This year, 50 games in, three goals, 10 points total. So definitely uh, an adjustment period for Lucas Reichel, and, and hopefully he gets it to click down in Rockford. Uh, again, a big thanks to Mike Fulta and Andres Tejada uh, for that piece. Hawks fall to the Colorado Avalanche tonight. 5-0 the final from the United Center. Again, the Hawks with a solid first period. They outshot Colorado 13-10, to but unfortunately everything kind of went downhill after that. Um, if we're looking at special teams, the Hawks got burned on the Bedard interference penalty at the beginning of the second period. Colorado converting on the power play. They came in tonight with the seventh best power play in the NHL. Kind of a mixed bag from the Hawks power play late in that second period. They didn't get a a really great start, not a lot of good chances, but then later on, it was it was interesting because the second unit had gone out there, and then you started to see the first unit come back in, and that's when the Hawks were generating some more chances. I mean, there was a, a great look for Taylor Radish tonight, but he wasn't able to connect. I kind of want to look at that really quick, Taylor Radish's numbers, because I feel like he had a, a lot of chances. Yeah, I mean, three shots on goal, one missed shot. Taylor Radish hasn't scored now in 26 games. He's been a little snake-bitten. He's been uh, just whiffing on some opportunities. But tonight, I I think, again, maybe just a little bit of combination of both. We talked to him 
a little bit earlier this week about that type of frustration and how rough that's got to be because as Troy Murray and I had mentioned in the pregame show, he had 20 goals last year, and right now he's sitting with five in 55 games. So it's it's a rough time for him as well, but he is getting those chances. And Oftentimes you hear players say that that's the saving grace, and, and you just got to keep going with those opportunities and those chances, and then hopefully you find the back of the net. Uh, but really quickly, back to the end of that Blackhawks power play. Radish missing on an opportunity, and then Connor Bedard hitting the crossbar. I mean, so there was a little bit of that tonight as well in this 5 nothing loss to Colorado. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or text. We're going to go to another break, but once we come back, we've got sound from Jared Tenorti and Reese Johnson and the head coach, Luke Richardson. All that and more on the Blackhawks postgame show. But again, we'll take your thoughts. 312-981-7200. Fox Post Game Show on 720 WGN. Byron took the puck in behind the Abnet, works it around up the right wing side. Cogliano's got it. In over the hawk line down the right wing, and he'll fire a shot and a butterfly save made by Morazic. That's tonight's save of the game, sponsored by ComEd for Business. ComEd powering business, powering lives. Not a good not a good day on the score sheet for Peter Morazic. A 5-0 loss for the Hawks to the Colorado Avalanche. However, didn't seem like Mrazek had that bad of a night. It was just kind of making up for some defensive lapses from the Hawks. It caused him to come out of the net a lot and just play a little bit more liberally, trying to cut off some chances for the Colorado Avalanche. But Colorado, a good team. They improved to 37-19-5 with the win tonight, and they keep pace just two points behind the Dallas Stars uh, in the Central Division as the Stars picked up a big win over the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, Colorado actually tied with Winnipeg now with 79 points, tied for second place with Dallas leading the way in the Central. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 11.30 tonight here on 720 WGN. 312-981-7200. If you've got a thought, you can call us or you can text us. Uh, Right before the save of the game, you might have heard of Chris Chelios telling us to break out the Bandito. Unfortunately, we didn't get to break out the Bandito tonight with no goals. But, you know, I'm sure the Chelios family was breaking out a lot of Bandito this week. Obviously, his number seven seven being retired on Sunday. But also, congratulations to our teammate and colleague and friend, Kaylee Chelios. She and her husband, Danny, introducing their third child, their second daughter, Sophia Vitali, this week. So uh, congratulations to them. Obviously a fantastic family, and uh, Kaylee does just such a great job helping us out. So uh, happy times and happy days for the whole Chelios family now for time to come, even after that fantastic party that we had on Sunday. Jared Tenorti chatted with the media after this 5 nothing loss to the Colorado Avalanche. Let's hear from the Blackhawks veteran defenseman. That was a tough one, honestly. Um... That one hurts. I don't think we responded well when we got down. I think um, we got tentative. We were just kind of watching them make plays, watching them exit the zone, um, and it's frustrating. I think we've, we've put in some good efforts. I think we're getting close. We're looking to get over that hump uh, tonight, and we didn't have it. We didn't do it. So. It seemed like the frustrations were, were kind of more evident tonight around the team. Uh, yeah, I think for sure. I mean, you try and keep that in check. I mean, let's be honest here. We haven't won a ton of hockey games. I think, uh, you know, you, you do your best to not let that creep in, but that's what we're all here to do. That's what everyone wants to do in this league is to win. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating we don't get it done. And we lost an OT the other night. Uh, I think two games before that, we had another OT winner. So we feel like our OT loss, and we feel like our game was, was coming along in the right direction. Um, and we, we just didn't have it tonight. I don't think we had the compete that we needed to to play with that team. 
Hey, Reese Johnson's fight. What did you think of that? He was clearly trying to fire you guys up, right? Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's the spark we need. I mean, Reese has been has been great for us when he's in. He's I think he's playing with energy. Um, he's doing the the things that he can to, to help this group win. And I think that's on that's on us. That's on everybody in the room to feed off that. Did it feel? I mean, up until that first goal, it felt like when you guys were right in there and you guys had a shot advantage. What? I, I guess did, was it that just first goal did that kind of swayed the momentum? Or? Um, you know, I think it was, it was just a bunch of things. They, they, they got one. I think we started the game the way we wanted to start. I think we were getting a lot of shots on net. Um, you know, it would have been nice to, to get some more bodies around that net and maybe pop home with some of those rebounds. I think the rebounds were there for us tonight. I think that's kind of a missed opportunity uh, to capitalize on a few of those. Um, you know, they get one and they get two, and I think um, that's, you know, this group, I think that's what that's what we're striving towards. I think we can't be too high, can't be too low. Um, you know, we got to find a way to, to make it dirty and fight our way back into the game. Uh, Josh Manson uh, slashed at Bedard's wrist, and then later on, you know, they had that little shoving matchup. Do you let the guy kind of work that out himself, or is there a point where you have to step in? Yeah, honestly, I didn't see it. I think, um, you know, I heard the crowd kind of get loud, I think, at one one point in the game towards the end. I think, uh, you know, I didn't really see what was going on down there. I mean, uh, you know, there's some there's some good players. I think, you know, Benji's a great player. There's going to be guys that try and get under his skin a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that, you know, he has to learn to play through. And then we got guys in this room that will step up when needed. That's clearly part of the game plan from Colorado tonight, getting under Connor Bedard's skin, and it definitely seemed to have worked. Uh, and as Troy, Mur- Troy, excuse me, Troy Murray mentioned, Connor Bedard is just going to have to get used to that. That's going to be a target he'll have on his back probably his entire career uh, if he keeps up the success that he's having. So it's just another thing that he's going to have to work through, and uh, that's what happens when, when you're the best player out on the ice and uh, somebody that the other team is not only trying to hold down but limit and put in another aspect of the game to slow you down, and uh, Colorado definitely was a little bit more successful with that tonight. Reese Johnson, who Jared Tenardi was talking about, he got in the fight with Chris Wagner in the second period, also chatted with the media. Let's hear from Reese Johnson. Yeah, I think just um, at that point in the game, anything to change a little momentum. I think... uh, it's part of my role. Um, yeah, whenever you see guys, I mean, he hit Jones, Jonesy pretty hard in the first. I mean, but yeah, mo- most of all, I think just to change a little momentum, um, just something to uh, get a little spark. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Could you see a collective level of frustration out there among the guys tonight? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, probably uh, shows even more to uh, people watching. I think. Uh, I mean, it's easy to get frustrated in a game where you're not uh, not winning, but I think those are the times when we just got to dig deep and, I mean, go to work, I think. It's easy to get frustrated, easy to get down on yourself and teammates, but, I mean, at the end of the day, no one's going to change it. We're the ones out there on the ice, uh, and I think in those situations, all you got to do is work harder. It doesn't seem very often where it's visible where you're frustrated with each other. Seem like there was some of that going on tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's definitely something that uh, can't happen. Um, I mean, it's fine getting frustrated, but you got to channel that. Um, yeah, I think we got to uh, maybe address that and uh, move on. Um, yeah, look to, uh, I mean, games happen pretty quick in this league, so uh, huge, huge bounce back game against Columbus. Did you see a couple of the things that happened to Bedard, especially late in the game? Those things that he just, like, Jared was saying he has to work through those things and you guys need to step up. Is that kind of... Yeah, absolutely. I think, 
that's Tanner probably hit that on the head. Um, Got to work through those, and we have to probably address that. Uh, didn't see exactly what happened the way it was uh, on the ice uh, with me sitting on the bench, but um, yeah, I think that's just uh, something we uh, yeah we can get better at. I mean, there was one case uh, John Manson slashed at Bedard's wrist uh, from behind. Okay. And, and then another case where they kind of got in the shoving match. I don't, I don't know if it changed your perspective at all. But. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, I mean part of the game, but I think uh, yeah, uh, late in the game. I don't know. I think that's uh, part of the game, but uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. From the 773 area code, frustrating to see such a great start from the Blackhawks in the first period and then see a 5 nothing final. Continuing to hear, we don't have it, we didn't execute, isn't enough at this point. Being shut out eight times excuse me, this season means there is a constant issue. Only so much can be blamed on injuries. I, I think we're kind of past the injury um, excuse. I mean, Andreas Athanasiu and Connor Murphy and Nikita Zaitsev are, are some pretty big pieces, but... Uh, well, and Taylor Hall, too. I mean, yes, th- th- that is a factor, but I don't think the team is using injuries as an excuse quite so much anymore. Um, I-, I think a lot of the mistakes, as I mentioned before, you-, you pull out three of the five goals tonight, you can kind of directly relate them to mistakes by rookies, which leads to inexperience causing the other team to pounce. And with a talented team like Colorado, they're not going to miss on that opportunity. And I also think the Avalanche just kind of won the mental game tonight. They got under the Hawks' skin. They especially got under Connor, Connor Bedard's skin. And that definitely played a role tonight. we got one more break to get to. When we come back, we'll hear from the head coach, Luke Richardson, and then we'll take a look around the league. Twelve games in the NHL tonight. We'll get to as many as we can. Blackhawks fall to the Colorado Avalanche 5 nothing tonight. This is the Blackhawks postgame show on 720 WGN. It down behind the net. Sturkin plays it up the near wall. Severson got to it, put it in front, and there's a score! Smart play by Damon Severson, knowing the goalie was out of position, but Cole Sillinger is the finisher, and that's just silly. The Blue Jackets are on the board, trailing 2-1. to one. Bob McElligot of WBNS 97-1, the fan. Radio voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's our next game preview, which is sponsored by Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time. The Hawks hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday. They've got tomorrow off. And the Jackets and Hawks will drop the puck at 7 o'clock, which means a 6.30 FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show right here on 720 WGN. I'm Joe Brand. The Hawks fall to the Colorado Avalanche 5 nothing tonight from the United Center. Let's hear from the head coach, Luke Richardson, briefly. Uh, well, you know, we we got to go back and look to how we started the game. I thought we skated very well and, uh, you know, played well. It's disappointing uh, at the end of the period to, to give that one up. I think, uh, you know, obviously we started chasing the game a little bit then and, uh, didn't have uh, the same type of uh, execution, I think, of defensively against them, and um, really that led to not getting much offense going either. So you know that just let them go. They're hey, they're a great team. Uh, we just uh, you know I think uh, opened up a little bit. I think in the second period and got off a bit of our game plan, which we played pretty good in the first period, and and then that just lets them go. Uh, the, sec- the, the second goal, I think the power play goal, that hurt. I think uh, if we could have got that killed off, obviously two seconds left. You know, I think we've been feeding off of that uh, you know, over the last month or two. Our penalty kill has been really good. So, uh, unfortunately, that's another, uh, you know, lost opportunity for us to stay in that game. 
They seem pretty upset with Magna on that goal, that Ross Colton goal. Well, I think uh, you know he's trying to reach up for the, the the shot tip in the slot, and he was just a little late getting there. So as he's if he's late getting there, then the rebound's wide open for the guy. So you know, I mean, it, it looks like your uh, you know your defenseman's not there helping you. I think Peter's probably you know, I mean, just looking kind of like to the air like oh you know i mean he was there but he just missed that uh, opportunity to get a stick on that shot tip if he, if he gets a stick on that it probably doesn't get to peter or or if it does then it uh, might be uh, stay on more of the strong side where peter can just gobble it up and Hawks will have one more game against the Colorado Avalanche to wrap up the season series that'll be on March 4th with the Hawks in Denver uh, visiting the Colorado Avalanche. Twelve games in the NHL tonight. I want to get to a few of them. Let's start in Boston. Into the slot, Shattenkirk. Lorai shoots. He scores! Mason Lorai, a one-time blast from the bottom of the right-wing circle. He drills one by Hill. A power play goal. Bruins five, Vegas four. That's our guy Judd Surratt, 98.5. The Sports Hub as Boston avoids the season series sweep against the Vegas Golden Knights with a 5-4 winner. Morgan Geeky with a hat trick in that game, but you just heard the game winner from Judley. Let's go to uh, Detroit. Barzell, bounce pass far boards. Pellick to Dobson, right circle, shoots, right pad save down the butterfly, Lion, and then it scoots just wide right. Islanders put it in front, they score! Barzell from below the goal line fired it in front. It may have hit Horvat, Nelson, or a Red Wing. But if that's Barzell's goal, he makes it 4-3 New York with just over six minutes to go. It was Barzell's goal, and the Islanders pick up a 5-3 victory over the Detroit Red Wings, snapping Detroit's six-game winning streak. However, Patrick Kane extends his point streak to 10 games, six goals, 15 points in that span with his 13th goal of the season. That's the rest of our look around the NHL, and Blackhawks hockey has been sponsored by Sitco. When you start with Sitco, you're good to go. United Airlines, your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers. Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time, and Northwestern Medicine. Big thanks to all the help back at the WGN Radio Studios, our production crew of Patrick Hennessy doing solo work today and doing a nice job. Our engineers were Brett Jackson and the tireless Krista Flores. Here at the United Center, our reporter was Jack Heinrich. Our Hall of Fame engineer was Paul Zarang. John Weideman had the play-by-play and Troy Murray on the color. For everyone that I mentioned, I'm Joe Brand signing off. Hawks fall to the Colorado Avalanche. 5-0 tonight from the United Center.